Thank you especially for that song because I just feel that's quite a special song for this morning because it does really talk about God always giving us more, more than we could ask or expect. Right, I need to go and get something. There is a sort of theme to this service, and it's not just about the generosity of God, it's about chocolate. (laughs) So, um, when I was thinking about God's generosity, uh, the picture that really came to my mind, or the thing that I was reminded of, was the quality street jar we used to have at Christmas at home. Did anyone else have a jar of Quality Street? In my imagination, it is that big. <laughs> All right. You might have had it in a tin. Um, uh, and again, the tins always seem that big. If you look at the tins now, they're about that big. Um, but that was one of the highlights of my Christmas. Um, was the Quality Street jar. And um, we had it under the... uh, My grandmother gave us one every year. It's what she always did. And we had it under the Christmas tree, and we were not allowed to touch it until Christmas Day. Um, That was the rule. I was watching those three little ones down here. You may not have been able to see that. Having been given chocolate... And they knew that they weren't meant to open it. And they were all looking at each other thinking, if you do it, I'll do it. If you do it, I'll do it. Um, And it was a bit like that with us. Because I always liked the quality street jars because you could open them without anyone hearing. Whereas the tins, I'm sure you remember, made that sort of clunk sound. And then you could never quite get it back on again afterwards, particularly if you were in a hurry. So, So the Quality Street jar was one image I had in my mind of generosity and lavishness. Because just to see that jar full of chocolates was overwhelming to me as a child, all different colours, all in pretty papers. Which one shall I have? Absolutely gorgeous. Now, one of the questions that Jesus came to answer for us is, well, the really big question, what is God like? What is God like? And Jesus does this by really a show and tell. He shows us by his actions, by his life, and supremely by his death, what God is like. And he tells us with his words. And we're going to focus today on these words of Jesus. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. If you want to know what God is like... He's that sort of generous God. And I thought we'd have a visual aid so that we can get this into our heads. I have no idea whether this is being seen on a screen or not, but I will try. Okay, so if you can imagine this 
is your life. And perhaps God comes and cleanses you and makes you ready to receive. And then he has a little bag with your name on it. All right, this is the bag that has your name on it of all the goodies he has for you. And what he starts doing is pouring them in. Don't get much in a quality street box these days. He starts pouring them in. And it says in this passage, God gives us a good measure. So he gives us a good measure of gifts. And you think, as we've already actually been thinking, of the gifts that he gives us. The beautiful world he created the people to love us and to be loved by us, health and well-being, the joy of coming to know him, his people here and his church. This morning I'm particularly thinking of children and how wonderful to see another generation of a church family here, twice actually. His Holy Spirit to fill us, forgiveness, healing, rescue, restoration, purpose, calling. You can think of all the things that God has given you. But the really great thing is he hasn't finished blessing you yet. He's given you a good measure, but then he says, you need more. And he says, I'm going to press it down so I make, you make sure that we get more. And then I'm going to shake it so we make sure that you get more. And then he says, you just keep on needing more. I've got more in my bag for you. And it goes like that. Is there any more in his bag? Oh, yes, there is. There is more in his bag. Because this is not just about having enough. This is about overflowing. This is what God wants for you. He wants you to overflow. And the reason he wants us to overflow is he wants us to flow out to others so that he can then give us more. That's the way it works. We become a fountain of blessing to others. And I wonder who you think will be reached by your overflowing. If you think of the fountain, what is your splash circle that will be reached by the overflowing? So if I have a God who is this generous to me, over the top generous to each one of us, who definitely do not deserve it, how am I going to live to be like him? And that is what Jesus addresses in this passage that Bob is going to read us. So Bob, would you like to come and read us? what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6.
Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be and and it will be given so and you will be forgiven give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you this is the word of the lord thanks be to god thank you bob uh we're meant to be speaking about scriptures that feed us and I didn't I don't think I just thought of chocolate because of that Um, but I, I would say really this is not just a scripture that feeds me but rather it's a passage that resets me one of the first things I notice about myself that shows me that I have drifted away from God is that I can become grudging and grumpy and stingy with my time and my money and my love and my service and resentful of other people. And I find that I can very quickly forget that God is this overwhelmingly generous God, this always loving God. And I begin to think that he too is grudging and grasping and mean and judging. And this happens to churches as well we can cease to be generous and start holding things for ourselves. And we can become stingy and mean in our attitude to other people. So this is a passage that resets my perspective and reboots me at times like that. Because as I mentioned before, this is not just someone saying what God is like. This is Jesus saying what God is like. And I reckon he should know. And he's not just telling us what God is like, but he's showing us 
through everything he does in his life and supremely in his death. And he talks about an endlessly giving God. And he shows that. You can go through this passage, and you might like to do this afterwards, and see how Jesus lived it out. Turning the other cheek. Giving and giving again. Never counting the cost. So let's just look at what Jesus has to say here, because there are some hard-hitting challenges in this passage about how we behave, and I don't want to duck them. Remember, everything here is in this context. Jesus showing us how generous God is to us so that we can show that same generosity to others. And in every case, God expects our values and behavior as his people to mirror um, his values and behavior. And that means that we are going to be different from the world around us. So starting at verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. There are three sections here, and everyone starts with a command, a series of commands on how we are to live with a generous spirit. It then gives us some examples, and then Jesus closes with a memorable principle to follow, perhaps a sort of the meme, you know, the thing that he, the takeaway that he wants from you. So here is the command. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. So what he's saying here that is that there should be no tit-for-tat, I can't say this word, reciprocity for God's people. We are called to be more than that. We are called to generosity. So we're not giving just enough. We're not matching what other people do. We are always giving more. So we are called to carry on showing love to those who show us hate or to hurt us. We're told never to return evil for evil, but to overturn and break a chain of hate and hurt. And can I say that that is a really hard thing to do? But Jesus shows us in his life how to live that out. And one of the gifts in this jar, and probably the greatest gift from God, is the Holy Spirit that is going to help us to do that. Jesus gives us practical examples of what this might mean and they are uncomfortable to read if someone slaps you on one cheek turn the other to them also if someone takes your coat give him your shirt as well give to everyone who asks and if anyone takes what belongs to you do not demand it back and then he finishes with the the sort of takeaway line, do to others as you would have them do to you. 
I think there's quite a lot of challenges there for me this morning and perhaps for all of us. In the next section, Jesus goes on to talk about who we should be generous to. In Jesus' day, and uh, perhaps today as well, um, yeah, definitely today as well, there was a very well-founded system of patronage and favoritism. So you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Um, I'll do this for you in the hope that you will do this for me. Um, Call it an investment in the future. Jesus says, we are not to be like that. We are not to be people who only help those who can help us back. Only do things for what we can get out of it. The people who follow a generous God are called to a higher standard to give to those who might not seem worthy or deserving. To seek no reward or benefit. To show mercy. And Jesus sums it up like this. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. This is the way our heavenly father treats us. Because when we were still far off, when we were the enemies of God, he met us in his son and brought us home. So before we move on, let's just dwell for a moment at how revolutionary these examples are and how they turn normal human behavior upside down. Bishop Tom Wright puts it like this. This is glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. Think of the best things you can do and do it for the worst person you know. Think of the best thing you can do and do it for the worst person you know. Think what you would love to happen to you and go away and do it for someone else. Think of people you are tempted to be nasty to and lavish generosity on them instead. And our motivation? We are to be like this because God is like this with us. So we come to the the last section, verses 37 to 39, that Jesus shows us an underlying spiritual principle here that he wants us to learn about. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Now, I want to confess to you here that I'm not exactly sure what this means. And the reason I'm not exactly sure what it means is that I think there's something very profound that Jesus is saying here, and I haven't got to the bottom of it yet. So if you have an insight on these verses, I'd love to hear it afterwards. But I do think I know what it doesn't mean. It seems to say 
that God's attitude to us depends on our attitude to other people. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do this right and then God will do right to you. But that seems to jar with all the mercy and grace of God that Jesus speaks about and that overwhelming generosity to those of us who definitely don't deserve it, mentioned in the last verse. I think the question is, when it says, do not judge and you will not be judged, is who is he talking about, actually? Is that other people judging us, or is that God judging us, or is it both? So, I don't know that I've got to the bottom of this, except that I want to make two observations, which I think are in the passage, and I think are true. Jesus seems to describe an upward spiral of grace here. Not judging or condemning and forgiving others and giving to others can break a cycle of evil and fundamentally change the atmosphere of a situation. Not being judged and condemned can help others not to be judgmental and condemn others. And we know that being forgiven helps us to forgive others. That there is a link there. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Right. And choosing to give away and not grasp hold is also revolutionary and can change situations. So I think God sets the ball rolling. He takes our punishment. He forgives us. He restores us. And he wants us to carry on and spread that love in the same way, to bring healing and change the spiritual atmosphere. I refuse to judge you. I refuse to condemn you. I choose to forgive you. I choose to give. That's the way he wants us to live. And secondly, there is something here about building our capacity, the cycle of grace. Um, Building our capacity to give and receive. So the more we give, the more God can give us. If I'd been brave, I would have um, knocked out the bottom of this jar, except it's my spaghetti jar, so I didn't want to. And it would have been a channel So the more you poured in, the more flowed out the the end. The more we give, the more God can give to us to replenish what we give. So as we give to others, God gives to us and we become channels of his grace. And if you think about how Jesus enacted this principle, think about the feeding of the 5,000. A little boy gives the little he has to Jesus and that opens up God's greater blessing for him and for so many more. If you sow generously, you will reap generously, says Paul. So we see this in the principle of tithing. Give your first fruits... And God will honour you with more. Not necessarily more 
in money. It might be more in other ways. We see it in things that start small and grow big as God honours faithful giving and builds capacity in people and churches and organisations. And I just looked for a few examples. I support the Trussell Trust, which um, uh, supports food banks across the UK. And just looking back, that was started by one Christian couple who became aware of one family in need in Salisbury. And they opened an emergency food bank in from their shed in their garden. And that was 20 years ago. And now they support over 1,200 food banks across the country and still desperately needed. Think of Samara. Many of us were involved with Samara's aid. And Samara Levy, who started that, we're hoping that she's going to come back and visit us this autumn. So here we've got a young mum who starts to collect bags of clothes for children in war-torn Syria in 2014. She's seen them on the television, can't get them out of her mind, starts to collect clothes from her friends. And 110 lorry loads later, she's still at it, and she has set up four hospitals. I don't suppose she could ever have imagined that. And then I think of um, somebody I met, Pippa Kramer at Claygate Church, part of a team that started a connections meeting for their older folk. And we went across to see uh, and meet her um, before Oasis was started here. And that small thing grew locally. Last year, she found herself being called in because of her expertise with older people, to set up a Daily Hope national phone line, which helped so many during the pandemic and is still helping so many. So the principle seems to be start giving of yourselves generously, however small that start is, and see how God can grow it. Start small, pray big, Small gift, big God. And wouldn't it be wonderful if God used this church to grow something like that? Perhaps the church at Deep Cut is the beginning of something that we're growing from here. But perhaps there's something else that God wants. Let's be open, open to whatever he wants. So let's return to this picture of God's generosity to us. What is God saying to you today about how you can live more generously? It may be that you feel that you've lost touch with the generosity of God during the difficult times we've been going through. And um, if so, can I recommend a book to you? A book that was recommended to me by Anne Thompson. And I didn't read it when Anne recommended it. And then was recommended to me again by Penny Skelton. And I did read it when Penny recommended it um, earlier this year. 
and it's by John Eldridge. It's called Beautiful Outlaw, Experiencing the Playful, Disruptive, Extravagant Personality of Jesus. And if you have forgotten God's generosity, this might be a way of reawakening that understanding because it certainly helped me. So God gives us so much. He keeps on filling us up to overflowing. We see his generosity in action as we look at the life of Jesus. And he wants us to show this in the way we live and live generously with others to reflect his generosity. Would you like to just get yourself in an attitude of prayer? If that helps to close your eyes, do. And I'm going to read that passage again from the message version, which is a bit more punchy. And we just ask, Lord, that as your word is read to us again, you would lay on our hearts any changes in behavior that you want from us. Would you highlight what is meant for each one of us? In Jesus' name. Amen. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you and not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the generosity of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you and then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who will help you, do you expect a medal? Ordinary sinners will do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's real charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers would do that. I tell you, Love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, you'll never regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, so you are to be kind. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures and criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people, and you'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. 
but not merely given back, given back with a bonus and a blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Because generosity gives birth to generosity. And so, Lord, we ask that we might be generous people here. Generous in the way we treat others. Generous with our time, our talents, our wealth. Generous in every way so that people can see what a generous God we have. Amen.